Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 14. Tonight I want to talk to you about sanctification. <clears throat> and if this is for nobody else here tonight, it's for me. So if it feels like I'm beating you up, you'll know that I'm getting beat up just as well as you are, if not more. So I just want to get that out before we get started. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 <clears throat> Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness And what communion hath light with darkness And what concord hath Christ with Belial Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separated, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty." Before we get started, let's just have a word of prayer. Father, I come to you right now, Lord, and I ask that you just be with me right now, that you would anoint me to speak your word, help me to say the things you'd have me to say, and get myself out of the way, Lord. And I just ask you to help me to speak boldly as I ought to. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> well, first, let's define sanctification. And one of the definitions I found is, the act of consecrating or setting apart for a sacred purpose. Well, those are a lot of big words. But in a nutshell, sanctification is to set aside something to use for God. You know, you could say this, this building has been sanctified for God's use. We don't, we don't hold concerts here in charge of mission or we don't, put on shows here that are just worldly things. If, if there's anything done in this house, it's somehow related to God or the work of God. Amen. It's sanctified for His use. Amen. You know, in the same way, we should be sanctified. We, are, we should be set apart and different from everything else. We should not be uh, commonly in place with what the world would have done. It's not really the best way to say it, but that's the way it came out. So, what I want you to be thinking on right now is how, how best can you sanctify yourself? And how does that apply to your daily, every day, every week life? Does that just mean, okay... I'm a Christian, I go to church on Sundays, and you know, whenever the doors open, I'm there at church. 
I'm trying to live my life right. Is that all it takes to be sanctified? What does it really mean to sanctify yourself? You know, we as Christians spend a whole lot of time in the world. You just can't get around it. I mean, you could, but you'd be like some of these weird people that that get up and build themselves this little uh, building and put a big fence around it and won't let anybody in or out. And before you know it, they're coming in and shooting everybody and burning the place down. Not to mention any names or anything. But you could be like that, and you might in some distorted way call that sanctified. But I don't think that's what the Bible would have us to apply to ourselves as far as sanctification. You know, it's, it's, a, it's almost a requirement for us to live a, a somewhat normal life. We have to be a part of this world. We have to live in this world. But, you know, more than that, if we're to reach anybody for Christ, we have to deal with worldly people. To provide for my family, God has provided me with a job that I have to attend, unfortunately. And I have to deal with worldly people on a daily basis. So how do I sanctify myself? if I have to be a part of that. You know, there's things that go on all the time that I wouldn't do myself, but people do it around me. And you can, you can think, I'm sure of yourself, you can think of di- many different examples. Whether it be somebody using foul language or talking about you know, trying to tell you some dirty joke or talking about some nasty movie they saw or something on TV, whatever you, whatever example you can think of, I guarantee you there has been a time when somebody has been in your presence and thought you might like to hear it. Well, this is where the part about me comes in. I'll be the first to admit to y'all that I have not done the best job of being sanctified when that kind of stuff is going on. You know, it's real easy to sit there and not say anything. Or maybe even kind of chuckle. I I didn't condone it other than by my silence. You know, I told you this morning, there should be a difference in us that people can see. This morning we were mainly talking about the love they ought to see, but there's another difference too. You know, there's a whole lot of people that won't say certain things around me Because they know who I am and what I am. There's a whole lot of people that don't send me certain emails because they know what I am and who I am. But then there's some other people that don't seem to care. 
Okay? You know, I remember a story my dad told one time, or some, maybe somebody else told me they heard my dad do this. This man came to my dad. You know, my dad had a lot of hunting dogs. That was his big hobby was hunting. He liked to take dogs out, and he'd chase coyotes or wolves or whatever. And this man came by and wanted to buy a dog. And my dad was wanting to sell it. You know, he would sometimes sell these things for, and buy them too, sometimes upwards of $1,500. So he would, he would breed these dogs and have puppies, and it was very beneficial to sell them. So this man came by and was wanting to buy them. He said, this man just used every foul word you can imagine, just over and over and over. And he said, Mr., I'm a preacher. And I don't really care for your language. And the man said, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. He said, I wouldn't sell you that dog right now if I had to. And ask him to leave. Now, how did he do that? Why did he do it? He could have just as easily have ignored what that man said and his attitude and demeanor and went ahead and sold him that dog. Would that have hurt him? Well, you see, my dad was at the point already where I want to be. He was willing to make a stand right there and say, that's not who I am. He was willing to say, I am called to a higher standard than that. You see, he had decided already that I'm sanctified. Even though I'm in the presence of worldly people, I am set apart for God's use. I am called to a standard that is above what this world expects out of people. But you know, there's been a lot of times I've sat in the presence of people with just the most vulgar mouth and vulgar conversation, and I've just sat there and took it. And you know, I thought, surely these people will change when they find out who I am and what I am. But sometimes they won't. Sometimes they could care less. You understand? It ain't just because I'm a preacher. I'm talking about being a Christian. Some people have reverence for God even if they don't personally know Him. There are some people that when they when you say, hey, I'm a Christian, they will say, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, won't, I wouldn't talk like that in front of you again. And they won't. Because they understand what it is to fear God. Even if they don't want to do it in their personal life, you see. They have respect for other people. But there's some people that could care less. They may be the nicest people you know. They may be your a good friend. But you see, they're... There's something wrong inside them. They don't know Jesus. It's real easy to sit there and be quiet and allow that th- kind of thing to go on. It's a whole lot harder to take a stand. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. And this is where the conviction comes in. Ephesians chapter 5. 
starting in verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become as saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This is a, this is a, a directive, okay? It's not a wish or desire. It's a directive. He says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather, what? Sit there and be quiet? It says reprove them. That means correct them. It means take a stand and and say, listen, I don't care about what you feel. I am a child of God and I would just as soon you not be here as to talk or think like that in my presence. That's what reprove means. So you see, that's like I said, this is where the conviction comes in. It's real convenient to just sit there and allow this thing to go on and think, oh, you know, it's okay. I'm not taking part in it. But you see, by not reproving somebody for this thing and not, and not allowing them to do this in your presence, you are taking part in it. Through silence, you're condoning what they're doing. You know, part of me says I really could care less how they feel about what I say. Now, there's another part of me that does care, though. And this is where the problem comes in, you see, because my flesh does care what they think about me. Now, you know, my spirit man cares what people think about me, too, but it's from a different perspective. Because my spirit man says, I want everybody to know who I am in Christ, and I want them to have the right opinion of me, whether they like it or not. They, I want them to think the right thing. But my flesh man says, I don't care what they think about me as long as they feel good about me. You see, there's a difference there. Because my spirit man doesn't care how you feel about me as long as you're thinking the right thing. Now, I don't know about y'all. Like I said, this may not be for anybody else here tonight. But I know it's for me. Because I've spent so much time caring about what particular individuals think about Kevin Alfred. I want them to say, my, my fleshly side wants them to say, oh yeah, he's a good old guy, you know. Now, I don't ever go out drinking with these guys. I don't do any of that stuff. But you know, 
there's been plenty of opportunity. There's been plenty of opportunity for me to go do things with them and I've always conveniently found a way not to because I knew that I didn't need to. But you know what I should have done? I should have made a stand long ago. I should have said, look, I don't care how you live your life, but around me, you need to be different. You need to at least respect my my beliefs and my feelings and who I am. Okay? You know, that may have damaged that relationship. But who and what relationship do I care more about? Do I care more about what some sinner thinks about Kevin Alfred? Or do I think more about what God thinks about Kevin Alfred? See, when you make a stand like that in the face of all that opposition, and you say, I don't care what you think, I'm on God's side. And I'm going to raise up a higher standard, and I'm going to let you know that that don't go around here. That stings a little, don't it? Y'all ever heard a child say, well, they can do it, why can't I? What's the usual answer parents give them? Because I said so. I heard that I don't know how many times when I was a kid. Because I said so. And at the time, I didn't understand. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. They get to do it. How come I can't do it? They're not, it's not hurting anything. But you see, my parents understood what it meant to be sanctified. Even if this one particular thing wasn't bad, they knew the people involved. And they knew that partaking in this thing with these people put me in their class. Now, I'm not talking about social class. I'm talking about this higher standard we're called to as Christians. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart. We're, he, what did he say? He said, come out from amongst them. He didn't say don't live in the world like you have to. He said, come out and be different. People need to look at us. I ain't talking about physical appearance necessarily. I'm talking about your life. People ought to look at your life. And say, man, there's just something different about that guy. Even if they can't explain it, they ought to be able to look and see, well, you know, I never heard him say a cuss word. Never seen him drink. I never heard him tell a dirty joke. There's something just strange about that guy. He don't do any of the stuff we do. But you know, even if you don't do those things, and this is what I've learned the hard way, even if you don't do those things, and you sit there and don't say anything, they just include you in the group. You know, I thought I could just sit there and be quiet, but live the example in front of them, and that'd be enough. But it's not. People teach that all the time. Well, if you just live a good example in front of everybody, that's just as good as witnessing. It is not. I'm here to tell you tonight, from living proof in my own life, it is not as good. you got to do both. 
You've got to live it. And you, then you've got to back, be willing to back it up when you're faced with it. You've got to be willing to give up some friends sometimes too. <clears throat> or maybe even some business opportunities. It's a little different when it starts hurting your pocketbook, ain't it? You know, I don't know what my dad was going to sell that dog for. May have been $500 or $1,000, I don't know. But the way my dad lived and worked, if it was $200, it probably was significant. You know, because my dad was a bricklayer. He was a preacher too, but he was a bricklayer by trade. And that means you only work certain times of the year. So there's a whole lot of times that whatever comes in is better than nothing. So it wasn't an easy thing to make a stand that day. But I guarantee you, you can take this to the bank. You make a stand and you miss out on some money and you see if God don't repay it. He's faithful, people. Listen, He is faithful. You don't have to worry about where that money's going to come from. You don't have to worry about, if I make a stand, I'm going to miss out. Because you won't miss out. I ain't going to tell you you're going to walk out to the mailbox and there will be a check waiting on you. That's not the way God always works. Sometimes He does. But God will not let you go without because you stood up for His name. You know, there was lots of times I wanted to do things with my friends. And even after my dad was gone, Shane was one of my good friends in high school. And there was a whole lot of times that him and my other friend Lance would go out and they'd get to go do what they wanted to. And my mom wouldn't let me. And you know, part of it, she was being a little overprotective. But part of it was was God's wisdom working through her. You see, God was looking out for me. And Shane will tell you tonight, if you were to ask him, that they got into a whole lot of things that Kevin Alfred didn't need to be into. And they probably didn't too. He came out okay on the other side, but imagine if he wouldn't have had to go through them. You know, what I want to challenge you not only for your kids but for yourself is set a higher standard. And you say, what does that mean? What does it mean to set a higher standard? Well, however you're living right now, that is not good enough. I don't care if you're saint. It's not good enough. Raise the bar a little bit in your life. Make yourself work a little extra harder. See, that's the only way we ever get any better is to try to stretch a little bit further. It's not going to break. Just stretch a little further. Next time something happens, you, you, you need to remember, look, I'm sanctified, or I need to be sanctified. I need to be set apart. I need to be a living example of Jesus Christ. 
man, I have come up so short, so many times. Y'all may say, well, you're a preacher, you ought not be like that. Well, you're right, I ought not be. But you're a Christian, you ought not be either. You see, it don't matter what the title is you put on somebody, but I know I'm a child of God, and I know I, I shouldn't allow those kind of things to go on. It's not just in your relationships with other people. What do you allow to go on at home? What do you allow in your house? What do you allow your children to do? Could you say, you know, this is kind of an old cliche, but if Jesus was standing in front of you, would you want to do that? There's a whole lot of things that I do and allow to go on in my house that I would not want going on if Jesus was in my presence. You know, we get comfortable in our life and think, man, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm a pretty good guy. But you just think about what I just said. There's a whole lot of places you might want to correct things, ain't there? There's a whole lot of things you might want to change. Because if you, if you would, would change it if Jesus was standing there, then that means that's an area you need to clean. Because, you know what? He is. He's there. He's with you all the time. And whatever it is that you're allowing to come into your, your eyes and your ears and, and to roll around inside your, your head, you just defiled that temple. You just, you just became a partaker of those evil things. Man, I know, hey, this ain't easy. There's a whole... Man, I, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I think I'm a pretty decent guy, but when I start examining the things that I allow to go on in my home, the things that I do myself and allow my kids to do and I just allow to happen around me, it's amazing what I'm a partaker in, ain't it? You know, I think the hardest part is verse 11 right there. It's easy to take care of yourself to an extent. I mean, it's still hard, but it doesn't even come close to verse 11 where you have to reprove somebody else. You know, the first thing they're going to tell you, when you try to make a stand to these people that... Now, I'm talking about people that you've already been around people that know you, that you've just sat there and been quiet and allowed these things to happen, and all of a sudden you want to make a stand? Well, what about all these years that we've been around you? What changed all of a sudden? You know, the first thing they're going to tell you is, well, ain't you a hypocrite? What are you going to say? What's your defense? How are you going to convince them you're not? Well, first, you probably ought to say you're right. 
I have been a hypocrite. See, I've expected things of you that I wasn't willing to back up. But I want to change that now. You see, you can't go into this stuff not knowing what you're going to say because it's going to happen. The minute you take a stand, Satan's going to rear up. But you know what I've noticed? His bark is a whole lot worse than his bite. The minute you take a stand and, and you make a stand for Jesus and you don't back down, it'll all be okay. It may kind of sting a little bit at first, but it'll all be okay. Like I told you a while ago, who do you care more about their opinion? Well, I don't know about y'all, but the one opinion I value above my wife is God's. I care so much what He thinks about me and not just how, how good I've been and what I've done, but I just care what he, what he thinks about Kevin. Am I doing good? You know, it's kind of like kids that come to you and say, Oh, look, Daddy, look what I did. Why do they do that? They're seeking your approval. They want you to say, Oh, man, you did a good job. That looks great. Even when it's just scribbles. They want you to acknowledge them. They want your acceptance of what they have done and their abilities. You see, that's all I want from God. I'm not looking for for some kind of glory and honor from, from the world. I want God to just say, Oh, man, you're doing good. Keep it up. Just keep pushing on. I know it's tough, but just keep it up. That's what I want God to say. That's how I want Him to feel about me. I want Him to think He struggles, but He's, he's trying. He's doing good. 